Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liba, and producer Elvin Freites bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. This episode of the EdUp Experience is sponsored by MDT Marketing. MDT Marketing is a digital marketing agency with a vision of creating education, marketing, and technology programs that improve people's lives. Specializing in student nurturing programs, digital advertising, marketing technology, and digital printing, MDT Marketing's seasoned team is entrusted by higher education institutional leaders to develop personalized communication strategies that are compliant and highlight what differentiates their institutions. Learn more about MDT Marketing at mdtmarketing.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education and beyond, hint, hint, um, with our amazing guest today. Uh, speaking of hints, I, I take a lot of hints from my co- amazing co-host and uh, and conscience, my, my uh, you know telling me what to do and, and how to act. Elizabeth Liva, Liz, how are you doing today? <laughs> I have a list of things that you need to do, so I'm gonna have your checklist ready for you. I'll send it well, to you later. You know, we're we're. I'll tell you, you're not the only woman uh, around in my life that has a checklist for me these days. I, I'll be honest, and uh, we. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, Liz, but I am recording today live from the executive offices in the Salustio bedroom. Uh, there you today. go. How about you? I'm in the laundry room, so I am living, like you always say, living the dream, right? That's it. Living the yeah. dream in our bedroom and laundry rooms, and this is just the, the state of things today yeah. as, as we exist. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, I, I'm really, really excited today for the conversation we're going to have with our guest. Um, sure. He is on the line right now. His name is John Farrar, and he is Director of Education at Google. John, how you doing? Greetings. It's, uh, it's great to be both with both of you today. Thanks for having me on. John, are you also um, recording from your executive offices at, at the Google uh, headquarters or, or, or uh, somewhere else? Yeah. If executive offices translates to uh, my makeshift office in our home and I'm at my stand-up desk, which is composed of a stool propped up on another desk. Um, mm. those, those constitute executive offices. Yes, I'm in one. Yes. Uh, before I uh, had the upgrade from my wife on a, an actual stand-up desk, and Liz will tell you because I took a picture and sent it to her, which um, she has continued to, to uh, talk about it and rub my face in it was my, my uh, executive offices, which was an ironing board and two cardboard boxes when I started this whole thing. That was so awesome. I, I love that. I love that whole setup you had there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it did the job, you know, it did the job. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters. And, and John, you know, you've, uh, you really have an interesting perspective on what's happening in the world of higher education right now, specifically when we're talking about digital marketing, the, the digital ecosphere, you know, Liz and I have uh, have chronicled, we think, um, the journey of higher education through the time of coronavirus, and and the digital landscape has been one of the areas of uh, that uh, institutions as they've moved online and delivering education online, having to enter the online marketing area uh, has been difficult for some, easier for others. 
what have you seen um, from a higher ed perspective on what is happening in the digital marketing ecosphere, just as a, a starting point for us? Yeah, uh, it's, it's not a bad starting point. And um, I think what you're hitting on, we've seen major changes to just in the last six, nine months, right? And no, uh, certainly no epiphanies for anybody hosting this show, but um, you know, COVID has changed this landscape so dramatically and has forced people to get into disciplines that they haven't been in before. Um, and specifically on how we get into student acquisition, uh, enter digital marketing, right? Um, what previously had been geographic borders that were an asset, I think, to institutions, those borders are now down. And as a result, they need to be looking at how they acquire students completely differently, specifically for those institutions that are our typical, you know, state-run flagship universities and some of the biggest brands in the space. This is a new discipline that they haven't had to worry about before. They now find themselves on the same digital block, if you will, as their peers from around the country. And that's radically different um, than what they've been dealing with before. Um, a lot of the pioneers in the space, the, you know, the online education pioneers have been dabbling in, in, in not dabbling, but have been fully, fully immersed in digital marketing for, for years, if not decades at this point. And so um, there is a uh, interesting dichotomy going on between uh, those that are new entrants into online education and building that adjacent to maybe their core product, i.e. on-campus programs, to those who have been considering this a core discipline for, for years and years and how those two are reconciling themselves in a space where students are wondering what their future roadmap and blueprint needs to look like in terms of executing against their educational goals and how that how that manifests itself into uh, an outcome longer term so digital marketing becoming at the epicenter of a lot of places uh and for different reasons than it ever has been before you know you said liz he said digital he said the digital block and it's more like a digital chopping block i think depending on depending on your level of commitment expertise dollars. Um, and you know, Liz, we've heard, I don't even know how to say it, but it's like, we've heard this amalgam of, um, yes, we're going online and we're going to stick with it. Hey, we're kind of going online, but we're not so sure we're going to stay there. And no, we're going online for a little bit. We might do a little bit of digital marketing, but we're going to kind of entrench. Do you, do you, I mean, Liz, what do you think about that, Liz? I mean, cause we've heard that message in a number of ways. I agree. And I think there is still a little bit of hesitancy. I think as a nation, we're really fatigued. So there is a little bit of, we see that on the part of some of the schools where they, they're still a little hesitant about going all in and maybe wondering if things are going to be going back to normal. Also wondering if they should make that full commitment or investment into the online um, marketing and internet marketing space and, and how to navigate that process. So I think there's definitely a lot to unpack there as far as um, I think John talks about this, like if you're just a new entrant into the market, entrant into that marketplace, how do you compete with some of the big boys that maybe have been doing this for decades? How do you not get lost in the shuffle 
and how do you distinguish yourself? John, what do you think about branding? Like when we're thinking about internet marketing and we're thinking about some of these uh, smaller schools, I mean, we talked about University of Florida and how, I mean, they have their particular brand. Or, or By the way, it didn't, it didn't take very long. Uh, Liz, of course I not. Got, of, I, I don't know course. how many minutes we are into the episode, but University yeah. of Florida made its way in very quickly. I have to mention them, but they're a state school, but they don't necessarily have uh, that the branding online or as opposed to like a huge internet player uh, that's been offering online programs that would have an established brand as far as the online piece. So what is, do you think the role of branding when it comes to internet marketing and how institutions will need to distinguish themselves amongst all this uh, noise that's happening on the internet? Yeah, well, first off, Liz, always always good to talk to another Gator for those who are not in Go Gators. My sister was a Gator as well. Um, and it's funny- Here we go. Go Gators. <laughs> Two <laughs> bits, right? Uh, anyway, uh, I, I think this conversation is is fascinating right now because on the one hand, you have these huge brands in the U.S. that are synonymous with our space in terms of higher education. Um, yet at the same time, many of them haven't don't have the online robust, certainly student populations or platforms um, that some of their counterparts may have that have been in this space for, for a long time. I, I listened to your show with the president of Walden, and I think he brought up an interesting point mm -hmm. where, you know, he talked about, um, there's a big difference between conducting classes online and online education. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and, you know, somebody like Walden certainly, uh, has a lot of expertise in the latter. Um, that said, they may not have the brand that a Florida has. And that's where I go back to this interesting right. conference right now of how these things get reconciled. You're starting to see some of those big brands make very aggressive moves in building out and or investing in those platforms that might make the, that might fast forward them into uh, some of that expertise. Um, and so it is an interesting time between the branding of maybe a, a Walden, a Strayer, a Capella, a Phoenix, and that, that expertise they've had over, over years in terms of virtual education and the branding of our big traditional state-run institutions that may not have that right now, even though students are at an all-time high of demanding flexibility in their education and quality in terms of the online education. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of holes in that need state right now. Um, and that needs to get reconciled and it'll be interesting to see how all of these brands in our space position themselves off of a new need and maybe outside of their core competency because students are more things are on the table, I think for all students, whether we're talking about adult learners, traditional students, um, international, all things are on the table in a way that haven't been before. And it'll be interesting to see how these brands pivot to those new need states, um, across various audiences. You know, John, I want to, um, I had this conversation um, with, it was a group conversation, facilitated conversation. We were talking about uh, marketing and enrollment, growth, growth hacking, if you will, how to, how, to, how to get that growth as fast as possible. And one of the things that came up from one of the um, attendees, and, and I, was, I was the person giving the talk, the question I had was, hey, we're, we're a large state-run university, and our responsibility is to educate the people within the state yeah. that are interested in the education that we offer as the state-run institution. And yeah, if there are students that want to go somewhere else online, you know, go ahead. But our responsibility is to our state and, and the people within our, you know, stakeholders and our constituencies. And my answer to that was, well, that's great. And I agree. But XYZ large 
institution that's running online is going to come and, and take those students from you uh, because they've got a, a larger footprint and they're looking at this as a responsibility to society to say, we, we want to educate as many people as possible, no matter where they are geographically. And what a disadvantage it is in my mind, especially if you offer online programs, because this large state system does and has been one of, one of the state systems at the forefront of continuing online to say, hey, look, we're not going to go outside of our, our, our zone here. Uh, you know, is that something that you're seeing, like this uh, entrenching or um, refusal to open yourself up to, to more? Yeah, so that's a, it's a really interesting question, Jess, and it's the fascinating part about being in our spot is we're, we're kind of seeing all these things unfold in, in real time. I tell our team all the time, like, we're going to think in 10 years and tell stories about how we watched the higher ed space change every day from our living rooms or our, our, uh, our laundry rooms, our, our bedrooms, right? Um, and it is fascinating. And what you're talking about is um, something that we're seeing being handled differently everywhere, right? So you're seeing, you are seeing some big state run institutions um, pivot into that mindset of like, yeah, we're going to educate, we're going to build a platform to educate the, the, the students that we're mandated to in terms of our responsibility to educate the people within our state, but we're also going to leverage our brand across the country. Similar to what you're saying, the online pure players have been doing, which is like we, we live in a borderless world. Um, and that, you know, this is all it, things we've been seeing in the trades, but you saw well, what Arizona has done, what UMass has, has stated their goals to be. I know you had Chancellor Dooley on from, from Purdue Global. Yep. I think some of those places are starting to make the pivot that you're espousing, which is like, listen, we're certainly um, responsible for, for the students within our borders, but we also could um, help in other places. If our brand is needed in other places, we want to see where that goes. And then, you know, on the flip side for years, we've had um, those online platforms really work in a, in a borderless world already. Those things are converging right now. And it is kind of fascinating to watch both sides are trying to shore up the um, maybe the, the historic weaknesses they've had on either side, whether it's you know not having an online education platform or on the reverse side not having the, the brand. But those two things are evolving in, in real time in an accelerated fashion. You know, one of the most interesting things, Liz and, and John, that I uh, come across, and this is recently, is you're talking mm-hmm. about this change, John, of what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? What's our responsibility? For, um, there's been a few large flagship universities, not the University of Florida. Uh, oh, I was going to ask case. you, was it University of Florida? But no. Okay. I, well, I just wanted to just get there before you got there, Liz. Sometimes <laughs> I beat you to the punch. Um, but uh, large flagship universities asking about the value of marketing. Like what mm. is the value of marketing in general? And the word marketing, it's like these terms and it's a fascinating thing for me of how people use terms. What is marketing? What is enrollment-based marketing? What is brand-based marketing? You know, and I was, um, a year ago, I went to the American Marketing Association. By the way, my wife's coming in and out. That's why you hear the garage door opening. So sorry about that, guys. Uh, but uh, I was at the American Marketing Association for Higher Ed, where my institution won um, Higher Ed Marketing uh, Team of the Year. which we Thank you. Good you job. like that plug. Um, <laughs> Good job. <laughs> and one of the one of the facilitators goes, you know, there's like a thousand people there, all marketers. You know, how many of you, if by a show of hands, 
believe that your institution values marketing as a, as a strategic initiative. They're if I could tell you, I could count my the hands raised on a couple of uh, a couple of fingers. Like there were not many people that raised their hands and said, "Yes, my institution really values marketing." And so now we come to this point in time where where institutions, flagship institutions, have never really had to market that much because your brand spoke to the audience for you. Now, with everyone operating online, there is a, a, a passive versus active recruitment stance that's changing, where I used to be able to sit back and people just line up and come to my door. I'm just telling you, you're not accepted. You're not accepted. Oh, you know, bad score on your test. See you later. I'm going to take this top 5% and, and then I'm going to be an exclusive institution. Well, all of those students are looking somewhere else now. And so yeah. how do you explain marketing and digital marketing to uh, somebody that doesn't understand what that really means? Yeah, no, you're bringing up a really good point. And uh, it, it is, you know, up until now, uh, those big state brands could hang their shingle. They would get the percentage of students in state that they needed. They had the, in many cases, the cream of the crop, and then they could get it, you know, what they needed from an international standpoint out of state and away they go. And then there really wasn't much invested probably in the, in the way of marketing. Um, uh, look, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of higher ed. Both my parents were professors. My dad was a professor at Central Michigan. Thanks for having President Davies on the other way, on the other day. Um, but one of the things my, my psychologist father always says is nobody changes behavior in the midst of a comfortable situation. Um, I like that. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a good saying. Yeah, and if you think about higher ed, it's been kind of comfortable for, I don't know, long, long time, right? Um, mm -hmm. the, the product has been pretty static. And, uh, and as a result, um, some of the recruiting methodology has been, to your, to your point, Joe, pretty consistent over, I don't know, better part of a century, certainly the last half century. Um, that's all changed right now. And so to answer your question, how do we explain that? Well, listen, we've got a team that's fully dedicated to getting people up to speed on the digital marketing landscape. Um, um, so we're, we're certainly doing that with the institutions that are reaching out to us directly. You're obviously seeing a lot of them deploy agencies or OPMs to try to get up to speed on that front. We work with those partners as well to do it, uh, whatever we can. And you're starting to see some of those big flagships invest in the resources they need to have that internally because they see where this is all going. Um, all of that to say it's different depending on the school. But, you know, for our part, we see ourselves as a tour guide to this space. Um, I think students, faculty, universities uh, certainly need not just us, but everybody in Silicon Valley to be helping as this space evolves. The digital marketing side is a big part of that because that's a lot of how the messaging is going to get out, as I explained earlier, in terms of what new student needs are that are different from what they used to be and certainly much different online because of who else you're competing with. Um, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the people you've had on this podcast are now all competing with each other, even though they're from different complete corners of the country. Um, oh, and yes. they got to get used to the fact that, uh, you know, if you're, let, let's just stick with Florida for, for a second. But, you know, Florida may be competing with, in the future with uh, North Carolina, Texas, and Washington for a potential student in Topeka. That's, yeah. that's not something that used to be a thing. Um, or, or, or the, or the student in Topeka who's also looking potentially a community college instead of a four university now well, there, you know, I mean, it's, it's all, it's blurry. 
Let me ask you, John, as far as when we're talking about strategy. So for Joe is very well versed, very much expert in marketing and digital marketing and strategy and enrollment and all these different um, bells and whistles that come along with the whole idea of strategizing. For those that maybe are at a smaller school or those that are just trying to dip their toe in, well, it just seems like it's a lot of times like Joe kind of alluded to, they don't even really understand what digital marketing is. So if you had to boil it down and just say, you know, here's like two or three strategies that these are critical. If you're getting into this space and, you know, we were going to consult with you or give you some tips, strategies, work with you and your team, work with your other um, pieces, whether it be the OPM or other pieces that you're bringing um, into that, uh, that puzzle, what would be some of the, like the key strategies that you would say a school needs to for sure think about and if you could john name names of the worst schools you've ever met uh, your kids <laughs> ever met with if you feel comfortable well, uh, no name dropping right <laughs> uh see if we have time for that look i'm got, i'm coming from a google orientation right so some of my feedback will be on on this front but you know liz just made the point of of uh using our company's name kind of as a as a verb here <laughs> What is your marketing challenge? Are you pacing short for your start? Is your cost per inquiry increasing? From sophisticated software, multi-touch omni-channel nurturing to the latest in digital media, MDT will help your school captivate, resonate, and automate your marketing efforts. Learn more about MDT Marketing at mdtmarketing.com. Your marketing challenges end here. The importance of search strategy, especially right now, where you have students that, you know, maybe were on campus or were thinking about going to campus or now at home doing a lot of research about how their plan has changed. You want to make sure you're there um, at their moment of need, right? So there is a, a complete search strategy that should be invested in, and that goes all the way to understanding who is your audience today, who do you want it to be going forward, right? Demographically, geographically. How does that align to what your school is known for in terms of your core competencies? That's all part of a, a search strategy. You want to be there for when they get to that search engine um, so that you're, you're popping up on, on uh, your, rele your relevant targets, um, search page uh, when they get there. The other part too is increasingly, um, you know, online video is a big part of how oh. people are researching, right? And I think there's a lot of things that schools probably should be doing. This is what we're trying to emphasize is there's a lot of things you can put up organically about either your school, your subject matter, how that relates to job outcomes that really is not there today that I think students could really use, right? Why, why should I major in business? What, what do people in nursing get paid? What is the future of um, healthcare administration? All of those things that I think a lot of our universities know a lot about and could assert themselves as experts as students navigate this journey. I think there's there's sort of an assistive experience that schools could be invested in an online video. Obviously, YouTube's a part of that, but there are a lot of a lot of forms of that via via social media. And I would say part parcel of that is your marketing efforts um, with online video and make sure you're you're there for that audience that increasingly is on streaming uh, versus traditional TV. Again, I know that sounds biased, but the reality is um, the demographic of uh, the age demographic for student population is skewing younger. That's where they're spending increasing amounts of their time. So I, I would say those 
the, the search strategy, online video, and in part and parcel of that is your, your social media strategy. But all of those things are born out of defining your audience and digital can really help on that. Um, we spend a lot of time you know, helping schools to understand who their audience is today, who it might be tomorrow and, and trying to reconcile maybe what their gut instincts are with the data that we have. Um, but I, I would say those three levers and to your point Liz, like there are great agencies and OPMs out there. There's also a lot of digital talent that I think would like to work directly for universities going forward. Um, and uh, just like we've seen in other industries, I think we'll see that talent migrate over to the university side uh, increasingly, especially now uh, post pandemic or, you know, now that the pandemic has changed everything that we know about education. You know, one thing, uh, uh, I'll jump in real fast, John, I don't know what you think about this, but I, um, <laughs> I, as I've come up through the years, um, and been with, um, a lot of different academics, uh, which, uh, of course I have a doctorate, but I don't consider myself an academic because I don't like to, um, you know, I don't like to write that much and you know, I don't like to do grammar and APA and all that. Uh, so, you know, um, Liz is more, is an academic and she corrects me all the time. So, <laughs> right. um, then this is, this is so basic yet not the name of your program. If you, you know, for institutions that create programs, now you're going to, you're looking to compete. Maybe you're looking at repositioning, rebranding, the name of your actual programs matter in search. And so I would always say, as I came up through the years, you know, somebody would want to take a, a degree and say, you know, a bachelor's degree. And you know, let's just say diversity, equity, and inclusion in the United States today. That's a great name for a program, but nobody's going to search for it like that. They might yeah. search for a bachelor's in social justice or a right. you know online degree in in you know uh, social entrepreneurship or something so so universities typically you know and in the past have, have really chopped up the names of these programs to be almost unrecognizable to search and it's like okay let me try to find relevancy now let me try to find keywords that are relevant and and now i'm really grasping at straws instead of driving people to a name of a program that's recognizable you want to create a program? If you can't find it, it will not grow. No, I think you're right. And that's why, uh, that's why I said that first, even though it might seem self-serving, but the reality is if you can't find the program in an increasingly digital world, then it's going to be tough to enroll in that program, right? You're and being so, too kind. You're being so kind. I mean, honestly, <laughs> so gracious. If, you, so if gracious. you can't find it on the company that John works for, which is called Google, you have no shot at success. It does not matter what the quality of your academic program is now, unless you have a brand that people are looking for. And, At and University of Florida. Yeah, <laughs> if they're coming to your brand because of the name and then they're by default selecting this program, that's your brand. But if you're, brand, if you're trying to recruit for a program and you don't have strength of brand behind you, the name of the program matters so much. And John, let me ask you, are, are schools, and you, you know, there's been a lot of, obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, there's been a lot of question about um, diversity and access, especially in the ed tech, uh, in the tech space uh, in Silicon Valley and, and um, how we address increasing diversity, how we address um, ensuring that there's proper representation so that we can make sure that society is reflective and, and there is equity on all levels. And, and there has been um, reference to the responsibility of some of the bigger tech companies, uh, 
Google in terms of search engine um, equity and, and, and AI and, and how all that plays into access and um, diversity in terms of search engine um, responses or, or um, when you're searching, making sure that those, uh, those responses are um, diverse. Have schools asked you about that? Like, do you get schools that are trying to make sure they are increasing access, making sure that they are being responsive to some of these concerns? For sure, um, and I'm glad you brought this up. We, um, we have done, uh, we've been putting out live streams for the industry on various topics really since the beginning of, of COVID where we'll, we'll have um, uh, a specific topic that we're taking on. Um, education equality and, and, um, and this topic uh, was one of the ones that we did uh, in, the, in the spring. And one of the things that we are working on with our institutions is understanding kind of their future student pipeline. If you're under 17 in the United States right now, you are uh, more than likely to be part of the 50% uh, multicultural majority in the US. That means all of our future students are more than likely to be in that. And that population has much different needs. Um, but John, uh, I, I gotta stop you one second, John. Do people really understand, and this is something that I question a lot, do people understand the, the relevance of that, what you just said, that quote, that, that statistic that you just gave us? Do people really understand the impact of that, do you think? Because what you said, it kind of like, I don't know, did you catch that, Joe, that those other 17 students and 50% minority students or minoritized uh, diverse students will be the majority going into like the next 20 years or so? Uh, um, so I would, I'll say this, Liz. look, it's great to work at a database company like this. And therefore, when we, we say stuff like that, not, not just that, that's, that's US census information that I think probably yeah. should be obvious to people. I will tell you that, that sometimes that's maybe more of an epiphany than you would think. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the reality is I think there's a, a, an understanding of this going forward and we, we are consulting with schools. This is part of what we're putting out there um, because this is, a, this is a population that obviously um, has, to be, you know, has to be catered to. And there sure. are differences in terms of their expectations, specifically online, without getting and quoting in specific stats here, but the, the want for online education uh, for that multicultural majority is much, much higher um, huh. uh, um, it's also much, much higher in terms of the student services they want, whether we're talking about, um, course assistance, career assistance, mental health capacities, you know, student services on campus or in a virtual environment, appreciably higher there. So wow. these are areas to your point that sometimes like, I don't know if there's full appreciation for what that pipeline is and how that's mm -hmm. moving in in real time and exists today. And then also part and parcel to that, like, how do we make sure those needs are addressed as a function. Again, we're, we're privy to unique data here um, that we help to, to school, we help schools to understand at a local market level or again, an audience level in an online world. Um, but these are things that we think we can be assisted to in, in, in this regard and something we emphasized on that, um, on that live stream that we posted for the industry a few months ago. Higher ed, and I said this as a, when I was in that, uh, that talk I was doing, higher ed came out of the gate when all of this happened. And it was, uh, we're going to help each other. We're all in it together. It is true. That is true. I'm going to say up until the point, and not that, not that this is, a, a, um, oh, an industry of, uh, you know, super competitiveness, but it is certainly on the way and it's coming. 
that only lasts to the point where now you're recruiting the same student and your sustainability of your institution is on the line. And what gives you the advantage? What gives you the, the um, I don't know, the, the ability to compete? And the answer is digital marketing. The answer is that, that the majority of our population in the United States is on a device at some time. And they're using Google as a search engine to find what they need at the point in time that they need it, right? And Google's expertise and the reason why it's one of the largest companies in the world uh, is because it gives you what you want at the point in time you're searching for it. And so digital marketing is the, is the advantage, right? It's, it's the advantage. And if there's, if there's another thing that I can throw in here, which we haven't touched on yet, it's the advantage of articulating your service. And I think the other thing that we're seeing as a function of that service and, you know, Joan, you're having this conversation with university presidents every day. I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I think the day of reckoning has come where employers and universities need to start working together for student outcomes in a much more overt and obvious way to create that line of sight between investment and return on investment for the student. In other words, all right, I'm going to enroll in your school. Here's what I'm going to learn that has been uh, valued by my target future employer or category of employers. And therefore I've got how this is gonna all work for me. And then that then is getting articulated into marketing going forward. I, I do believe gone are the days maybe where we just go to a school uh, because it has a particular reputation and then kind of hope um, for the right outcome that we're, we're seeing or would desire for ourselves as students into much more clear line of sight on why this institution will, will hopefully lead to, to the job I want because of either participation in, in, in curriculum or participation in recruiting, you know, whatever it is. But I do think, again, <laughs> nobody changes a comfortable situation. That's probably been the case for education. It's probably also been the case for corporate America, at least, you know, in this country, where I think both sides are now saying, all right, well, how, how can we how can we work together and help each other? That's a little bit different than, you know, universities helping each other. But I do think there's a role to play, you know, between uh, employers and universities going forward. And how does that then play into your messaging from a digital yeah. marketing standpoint will be fascinating to watch. Yeah, that's huge. That, that is uh, a huge point. I think the messaging also goes back to the kind of student, the demographic and what their expectations are. I have a 21 year old daughter. She's a sophomore in college and there is more of an expectation. I went to University of Florida and I walked the quads and I found myself and I slept in on the grass and, and it, you you were there to obviously get an education, but it was more about the experience of being on the campus and, and some of the, everything that you get from going to football games, everything that you got from the fact that you were at the University of Florida and that was what you aspired to do. And, and I think school was a, a little bit of a, not an afterthought, but it was like, okay, that's a part of the package as well. This, this type of student, and you could probably speak to this in terms of branding and messaging and marketing, they, they're just from observing my own, my daughter and from my students that I see in my classrooms when I'm teaching as a faculty member on campus, they seem a lot more 
outcomes oriented, which makes sense in terms of what you were saying as far as those partnerships and making sure the student can understand that straight line between, hey, this is what you're getting here. This is what we're going to provide you. This is what the employer, it seems very intuitive that we would be doing that because this student, they demand and they want to see that, hey, what am I doing this for? My daughter's taking a gap semester because she's like, look, I'm not successful right now. I'm not doing well in my online class. So it doesn't make sense for me to be in school and waste time and waste money. So I'm going to take a little bit of time. It's like they're very like very rational they, they, when in their decision-making process. Would you agree that that's something in terms of the messaging that we need to address that when you're thinking about the marketing piece of it? I, th I think, I think Liz, you're bringing up a great point here because I, you're not, you can't find a bigger fan of the learning environment that you just talked about than I am, right? And, and I guess my point is like, I don't want, I, I selfishly would not want students to lose that part of the on-campus experience and living mm -hmm. through that I, why can't we have both is my point mm. like why can't why can't we have a great on-campus experience that also um is on the learning side uh, geared to a, a better outcome right why, why don't we mm -hmm. move to a point where companies just aren't recruiting at these universities because they've had good luck with the students that come from those universities it's they recruit at those universities because the learning environment is great and and because um, what those students are, are learning is immediately applicable to a fast start in an employer. I don't know why those two things need to be separate. In some ways, kind of bums me out that maybe uh, our students are starting to feel like too results oriented on the back end. I, I do believe we can create an environment where both things are possible, but that has yeah. to come with improved dialogue between employers and educators. But it's certainly out there. I think we're starting to see the beginnings of that. Um, and I'm, I'm rooting for it to, to evolve that way. Who was it, Liz, that the college president that we had on that said um, the first day of class looks nothing like the first day of work? Why is that? The, the first yeah. day of, you know, your orientation, your first week of school should look so much like your first week of work in the future. And, yeah. and that's what preparedness. I can't remember who that was. It was um, with uh, BYU. They just changed. They, oh, they're with, not affiliated um, with BYU. Anymore. Ensign, Ensign College. Ensign. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, 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 that I thought that was so relevant. Like the the well, he's from blurred. well, he he's from Silicon Valley too, so yeah. he comes from the corporate space. So that's another yep. reason why he probably thinks that way also. Well, since so. I'm the least favorite uh, host here, John, I'm going to let Liz <laughs> ask you the final two questions. Oh, he didn't say that. He said that uh, you were you were like on par with me, but just a little bit below. <laughs> <laughs> Noted, Liz. <laughs> John, we thank you so much. This has been great. You've given us a lot of insight, a lot to think about. Definitely a lot of uh, food for thought, I would say, for a lot of schools that need to be kind of pivoting and, and reimagining and retooling and thinking about all of these different things in terms of the marketing aspects. So thank you for all of your insight today. And we just want to wrap up with our last two questions, which would be, is there anything that we didn't touch on, anything that you want to just make sure that you mentioned in terms of things that maybe you're doing there at Google on the education side. And then what do you see as the future for higher education? Yeah, um, look, we covered a lot. Um, and uh, this is obviously a topic that I would love to continue speaking with you all about. And I'm sure you could eat up the rest of the day doing that. Um, I, I would say- Sounds like say he that. just committed to come back for another- Yeah, episode. part two, 2.0. Whenever you want me, uh, but from what I can tell, you're not struggling for guests. Congrats on the success of the show. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if there's anything we missed, other than I would say like everything's on the table right now, and I and I would say um, you know to to schools, 
reach out to your partners and ask questions. Um, you know, for, you know, that's not just Google, that's anybody else who might be assistive in this process as things change. Um, a lot of these companies do have resources and expert, experts that they can deploy against um, some of these issues. And I think we want to, right? I think we, we want to be assistive in that regard. And in terms of, you know, everything being on the table, I think for a lot of our flagship universities, got to think about what the traditional student experience is going to be. Um, Online, I think, is much more the expectation. I, you know, I, I heard the president of Walden say, we've, we've pulled this trend forward a little bit. And I think maybe he was being nice about it. I think we've pulled the online education trend forward, maybe even a full decade. And mm -hmm. that is going to include more people in a pure play sense uh, coming online. It also is going to include more of the student experience, even on campus, uh, going online. And so we're starting to hear from schools that say, like, you know, our traditional students said, Listen, I might be coming back to campus, but I don't know that I'm coming back to class. Oh, wow. We could have more students on campus saying, like, I kind of like the flexibility that online is giving me. I can travel whenever I want. I can take an additional job. Maybe I don't want to come to my Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 o'clock. Um, and I think it's going to be important to understand those things and then adjust accordingly. Um, and move from, I think, uh, maybe a mindset that is like, hey, we educate 18 to 24 year olds in a particular location to a mindset that says we educate human beings across their lifespan basis, the needs they have and the outcome they're, they're trying to generate. In other words, um, I don't think we should be trapped in traditional degree formulation. I think we got to start looking at um, credentials, um, how those stack up over a lifetime um, and how they're going to be seen as currency for, for qualification. So again, I just go back to everything's on the table, reach out to, you know, the partners that you trust, or maybe make some partners that you think you should have. Uh, cause I think a lot of us are here to try to help this, this space evolve and, and deliver student needs and outcomes in line with, um, modern desires. Well, John, this has been, uh, a, a lesson. Thank you, uh, sir. Learned so much from you. It's been an absolute honor. Another episode of the EdUp Experience with John Farr. He is the Director of Education at Google. John, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hope you enjoyed that episode. To learn more about the EdUp Experience, please visit edupexperience.com. And if you want to be in on the live recordings, please sign up for our email list. Go to edupexperience.com and sign up to be a subscriber. We'll let you know how you can listen live and get the scoop before anyone else. So please always feel free to share this podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. We would really appreciate that. You've been listening to the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business.